0: So call 877-714-1318 and discover the Foundation's Recovery Network difference today.
1: This is Rich Roll, and you're listening to
2: Silver
3: Guy Radio.
4: Thank you guys uh, for all coming out tonight. It's, um, it's nice to do this. This is the second time we've done this at uh, Journey. The first time we did it out on the patio, and obviously it's a little bit cold tonight, so they uh, were kind enough to let us come inside. Um, so thank you to Mornay and Nicole and Journey uh, here for letting us do this. Can we give them a, a round of applause? It'd be great. We appreciate them. They do a lot in the community, and uh, they have some uh, some pretty dang good coffee, too, so that, that's always nice. Um, one, one thing about, you know, That Sober Guy podcast is... That it's real, it's raw, and so everything that we're gonna uh, do tonight is, you know, there's no script for it. We're gonna have some great guests come up, and we're gonna do some uh, some some story sharing and talk a little bit about recovery, um, positive mental attitude, what has gotten us through some uh, some some difficult times, some fun times, all that stuff. Um, we have Philip right here, so Philip's gonna come up and share tonight. Philip, thanks for coming out, man. Um, we have, yes, one one of my good buddies. Um, and then uh, we have uh, Wordsmith here from Neighborhood Hope Dealer. Uh, he's going to come up tonight. He's doing some great things in the community, talk a little bit about uh, what, what his program is about. Uh, and then something else that's cool, uh, I you know, through the podcast, uh, Well, let, let me stop and back up really quick because I shamefully forgot to do something that I meant to do right off the bat. And I just want to thank God for, for being um, a good God and allowing me to be, you know, get through some of the things in life that I've gone through. in addition to that, my family, my friends, of course, um, have been such a huge part of this journey for me. And um, it uh, w- without that, um, I, I don't know where I would be. You know, I don't know where I would be today. And I'm just super thankful. And every day that I wake up is really a blessing. And um, I just, I, I'm, I'm so grateful to do that. So I just wanted to, uh, to say that first and foremost. And it's really important for me to keep that close to my heart and know that every day because um, as soon as I start steering off that path um, you know things can go astray real quick so it's important to uh, to stay close to that for me one of the things that has been on my heart lately is the power of words and um, you know I think a lot of this stems from having our, our, our kids my wife and I and thanks Jess I just I love you so much and thank you for all your support and stuff and, and my mom Darcy thank you so much both, both two beautiful ladies and wonderful ladies in my life I appreciate you both um, but the kid, you know, our kids, the words that we say are so powerful. Um, and I was thinking a little bit about this, about, and it, re- well, it reminded me of a story that, um, that, that cash did or, or, said recently. And, um, I started thinking too, about dreams and visions and, and how a lot of us have certain thoughts and we have aspirations. And, and sometimes those those dreams and stuff, they get, they get killed because of words that are spoken over us, whether it's when we're young or whether it's, you know, as an adult. And a lot of us stop, you know, we, we stop early from living out our full potential. You know, I'm a firm believer that God has a plan for us all and he's got a purpose for us all. And sometimes those words are so powerful that they stop us dead in those, dead in the tracks. And we, we never get an opportunity to live that out. Or you got the flip side of it where, when people speak into our lives and we have good people around us we can fulfill some of the things that that maybe um is our purpose in life in that path and so this brings me to the story real quick i i was uh, i was i was sitting with cash and cash is my son he's four. i got my his name tattooed on my neck just in case i forget because you never know and uh i'm sitting there with him and i said what's up buddy like man it's so good to see you you know like uh, Oh, Kane. What's up, Kane? What's up, Kane? What's up, buddy? Good to see you guys. Um, but I said, hey, buddy. I did the whole dad thing, too. I kind of brought my pants up. And I said, a, I feel like Chris Farley right now, but I'm not. Um, I said, what are you going to be when you grow up, man? What do you, you want to do, bud? And he goes, you know, I'm thinking like, man, you're going to be a, you want to be a police officer? You want to be a doctor? Like, what, what do you want to do? And he looked at me dead in the face, and he goes, dad? I said, yeah. And he goes, I want to be an ice cream man and I said really okay and I kind of laughed a little bit and it just occurred to me like right at that moment like man like this dude is four years old that's what he wants to do right now that's his dream at four years old. I want to be an ice cream man and I had two options at there two two things I could have done I could have said you'll never be an ice cream man You'll never make a living that way. That's an impossible, that's a ridiculous dream right there. That's, that's not, that's never going to work. Or the total opposite route. Man, Cash, that's awesome, bud. I hope you have 37 ice cream trucks. I hope you start an ice cream truck empire. Like, go out and get it. You can do whatever you want, man. And that's, thankfully, that's what I told him. But I started, you know, I take a step back and I start thinking about it. I'm like, man, those words are so powerful. And you know, we talked a little bit about this in, 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 uh, in, in a show that we did at the Phoenix Theater and we had a guest, T.J. Woodward, who's a, a phenomenal dude and speak, <coughs> excuse me, speaker. Um, we said it's really about, or, or T.J. said, it's really about not learning, but unlearning. And so a lot of the time, our brains are programmed from those things when, when we were young, you know, um, and we have to unlearn some of those things. But I want to keep it up on a, on a positive note here in the fact of here's kind of the point, like, we need to be surrounding ourselves with good people, with people who build us up, with people who lead us, with people who have, you know, they don't have to be the same, I was going to say the same interest, it doesn't always have to be the same interest, it can be different, but it needs to be people that are speaking into our lives, you know, like, um, you know, like, I have a lot of friends, and, and family, and uh, my CR group is here. Thank you, guys, like, for coming to celebrate recovery. I mean, uh, we, we hit that up every Monday night. And you know, step study, and sometimes it's, you know, sometimes it's a lot of work. But it's so important to put in the work and just show up. So um, I don't know. I think I'm going to buy uh, Cash a superstar pop when I get home. Maybe he can have one of those. We'll buy him a whole box. And uh, we'll let him do his thing. So the way this is going to work, too, I'm going to bring Phil up. Um, Philip, Philip, I'm going to bring Phil up. Come on up, Phil. Yeah, give it up for Phil, everybody. Thank you. After Phil, we're going to bring Wordsmith up, and then um, I'm going to bring Phil back up, and we're going to open it up for Q&A, question, answers. And the other cool thing, too, I want to mention, we're recording this. So, you know, when you participate, I encourage all of you, to everybody, you you have a question or something, throw throw it up or shout it out. Uh, We'll put this back out on the podcast, and you'll be able to listen back to it uh, next week, Okay. Philip Wright. What's up, my brother? Shane Raymer. Yes. Yeah. You, you, what's up? I, yeah, it's, this is a good, this is a good time right you now. You sound real excited tonight. I'm pretty excited. I'm pretty yeah. pumped up. I got people I love here surrounding us. Yeah. Um, I mean, what, what more can you ask for? So how many people listen to podcasts, by the way, just throw your hand up if you listen to it. I mean, okay, cool. So yeah, that's like, uh, you know, Jess, that you're the one, but thank you. Thank you. Let's try it again. Let's try that again for the recording there. All right. Um, yeah, dude, good, good stuff, man. So how long have we known each other, Phil? It's been uh, six months, a year? I don't know, something like that. We,
2: we've met. It's been a year. At it, least a year. It, yeah, it's just been about a year. We're just dating. We're still in the We're dating phase. coming up on phase. a year. I, yeah. I still don't know what his favorite color is yet.
4: <laughs> what about my favorite food, Phil? Do you know my favorite Tacos. Food? It is. Ta- well, a tacos. Pizza, are... ta- I could probably switch off from pizza uh, to, to tacos back and forth. It'd be great. I had to take a drink there real quick. So okay. what should we talk about, Phil? what do you think? Uh, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Totally put you on the spot there.
2: Yeah.
4: Well, first off, obviously the foundation of this show is recovery based, right? I want, I always like to kind of lead in to the fact of, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that are similar to whether you're in recovery or whether you're outside of recovery. There's a lot of similarities there and really just dealing with life and how we deal with life. Like we didn't wake up one day and say, Oh man, like, here you go. Here's how to deal with stuff. You know, I never woke up one day and I was like, man, I want to have an issue with alcohol and drugs, you know, yeah. just didn't, didn't yeah. work like that. So yeah. putting in the work and doing that has been uh, quite the journey. I know you've had your own journey, your own, um, man, you, you've had, you've had some crazy stuff go down over yeah. the years, man. Yeah. Why don't you, well, let's start here. Why don't you give us a little, a little look into the life of Philip Wright, uh, before you found Jesus and before you got sober and before you came... When I was still running bed. amok. You were running you know, amok out doing there. Doing things.
2: Uh, yeah. You know, I had, a, I had a normal family like anybody else, you know. Uh, lived a normal life. We lived in Concord. Grew up in Concord uh, in in the suburbs. But, um, you know, like you said, my addiction didn't... Uh, you know, it's not like it was on the shelf and I just took it off the shelf and said, oh, you know, my dad didn't hand it down to me. It wasn't something that was passed on. I don't believe that at all. But yeah. uh, it was... Um, it was because... Um, you know, I picked up my addiction because I wanted the, I liked the attention that I got, you know, hmm. uh, growing up when I was younger, I was real quiet in school and I didn't have a whole lot of friends, but when I partied, everybody was my friend. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yep. You know, so I'm going to be the guy and you know how we do it. You know, I'm going to drink the most beer. I'm going to smoke the most <laughs> weed, you know, <laughs> whatever it is, I'm going to do the most, yeah. you know, and pedal to the metal, baby. pedal to the metal, you know, oh, Yeah. Uh, yeah my dad says, punch it, Marge. You know, he just, <laughs> yeah, we're going full, full out. You know? yeah. So th- that's what I did. And that's how it just turned into, because you know, I've had people like, man, how did you end up with a, a 14-year meth addiction? Hmm. Well, it just, it's just a series of compromises, right? It's just a series of choices. You, know? you, you start off saying, man, I, I would never do that. Yeah. You know, uh, I just drank a little beer, man. I'll never smoke weed, you know, yeah. then uh, next thing you know, I'm smoking weed, man. I'll, I'll never try anything else, you know, and you end up trying stuff and you just keep going. You know, it's, it, it, for me, it was just one compromise after the
4: next. Yeah. Know? Why do you, uh, why do you think there's such a big uh, stigma behind it too? And that's obviously, that's a, a big uh, reason of why we do the podcast is to try to help bring some light and some normalcy to something that, Almost everybody, like when I talk to people in corporate world or with the podcast, it doesn't matter. This topic comes up often because they ask, what do you do for a living? Well, this usually always comes up for me. And I say, well, here's kind of what I do. And they go, oh, I have a brother. Oh, I have a cousin. Oh, me, you know, there's always somebody affected by it. And so why don't we talk a little bit about it more? You know, the stigma is, is very heavy and I understand that, but this is kind of why, why we, we, we do what we do. What do you think? Yeah, about well, that? that's
2: the cool part about being sober now and being off of drugs is now I get to help those that don't yeah. know, you know, that there is life after meth. You know, there is life after the bottle. You know, there, there is life after you make all these, you know, bad choices, right? You know, I, I could yeah. sum up, you know, my 30s as one big bad choice. <laughs> <laughs> you know, do you recover from it? You certainly can. Yeah. You, know, uh, you know, everything looks impossible while, while it's in front of you. But yeah. then once you get through it, you know, there's, okay, it wasn't that bad, yeah. you know. And, yeah. and that's what we get to do. We get to encourage guys, you know, let them know that, mm. hey, you know, there, you know, there is life on the other side. You can do this you can clean yourself up you mm-hmm. know so
4: what uh what was your your bottom what was that point for you where you just said like dude i've had enough of this like man. i'm i'm done
2: sick and tired of being sick and tired yeah it's yeah classic. yeah you just get to that point you know i it, it was just 14 years of doing it you know and it was just a uh, tired man i you had i had nothing you know uh Laundry basket
4: and some clothes, right?
2: Yeah. So my my, my story is, so after a 14-year meth addiction, man, I I had nothing. I I knew I had to get out of town. I came to Vacaville. I moved to my mom's house, uh, and I just had a basket of clothes. You know, I had no driver's license, no bank account, Hmm. no car. I mean, I I had nothing. No self-esteem, no dignity, no integrity, no trust, you know. I didn't have all those things, you know. And so uh, when I came here, you know, and once— you know, I had to get out of my environment where I was at, you know. And so as, as I started cleaning up, you know, and I went to church, and as God started restoring all these things in my life, it, it's amazing how you don't realize what, what you lose in your addiction until yeah. you start gaining some of those things back. Uh, one of the things that I'd like to share, one of the things that I got back is uh, the relationship with my father.
4: Who's here tonight, Who's here way, tonight. Yeah.
2: He my dad. So up, if it Mr. wasn't... Wright? Yeah, there he is. Come on. Yeah, come
4: around. And his wife, Barbara. That's yeah, dad. Thank you
2: guys. Yeah, thanks for coming. Big dad. Yeah, he is my dad. Uh, <laughs> we call him dad. <laughs> uh, you know, we call him my dad. No, That's old, weird. I know. You
4: know, ever man. since I've known him, he's been dad. Anyone yeah. else have a dad out there? We're the only two. Yeah, okay. You know, man. Dad. That's
2: crazy. Dad. <laughs> uh, you know, but I didn't, I didn't realize it until uh, I... I didn't talk to him for 13 years. Yeah. And you know, it's like why do you why do we do this to ourselves when we're in our addiction you know why do we you know we think we're just doing this uh doing these things to ourselves right this is my body this is my life these are my choices stay out of my life leave mm. me alone right but actually we're hurting the ones that are around us you know uh i didn't call my dad because uh not because i hated him or he you know made me mad or you know we didn't have any kind of disagreement or anything i knew that if I was going to continue to do the things that I was doing, he would have called me out on it, right? You have some accountability Yeah, I would have been busted, you know? He would have said, get your shit together, you know, Mm -hmm. you'd smack me around, you know? And so I was afraid of that. I didn't want, you know, I wanted to do what I wanted to do. So you try to, you know, you can't hide anything. I I can't hide anything from my dad. I don't know about your dad, but (laughs) 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 he'll bust you in a heartbeat. So, uh, you know, I didn't want to, I didn't want to do that, you know, and so I didn't want to lie to him either right and so the best way to not lie to them is to not just be around them so you don't call them
4: you know kind of isolate
2: yeah and you know a couple of weeks turned into a couple of months a couple of months turned into a couple of years you know a couple of years turned into 13 years so you guys didn't talk for 13 years 13 yeah and that's yeah and uh, it wasn't through recovery it was recovery and i'm just like uh uh, my sponsors here i'm like you know i think i'm gonna call my dad and uh start crying love (laughs) my dad so, uh, but it was, I was scared, right? I'm like, man, what am I gonna say? Is he gonna be upset? You know? He's gonna beat me up, is he gonna spank me, you know, I like get put on restriction?
4: <laughs> you know. I just you, had a, a visual there for a minute. Yeah, I was just gonna no, act no, like man. I didn't have that. Yeah, you, you you get you get all these
2: things built up in your mind, right? That's what we do. Uh, you know, we uh, you know, we just get a, you know, we oh, it's gonna go this way, it's, you know, he's not gonna wanna meet me, you know, or he's just gonna tell me how much of a disappointment I am, right? because that's what I felt like, right? Just because I felt that on the inside, like, you know, I I knew that I I was a disappointment. I knew that I disappointed him, Hmm. you know? So I was afraid that all that was going to come back into the meeting, right? And, of course, it went nothing like that, you know? In fact, he even paid for dinner. It was awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Not only was he happy to see me, but uh, he paid for the dinner. uh, And it was was great, man. It was just so good to see him, you know? So, you know, I think recovery for that, you know, I I just... uh, yeah. yeah, I love you dad.
4: Yeah. Thanks for
2: dinner yeah. too. He loves me too. I got the wave. Yeah. <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, so so let's get into that a little bit and well, let's get into redemption, but first before we do that, I think that's, you know, you just really hit something uh for me that that um you know, as I work through my own recovery, my own experience in, in, in this walk with God, too. And I know everyone may have a different take on God, especially in a, when we talk about recovery in general. And that's fine. Um, I love like my sponsor tells me. Uh, I asked him this. I said, well, how do you how do you handle that with different people, different versions, whatever? And he said, hey, here's what I tell him. Just know that there is a God and it ain't you. And I said, OK, <laughs> that works fine. Like, I, I understand that. And, uh, you know. The father, God, you know, higher power, whatever you want to call it, he's a forgiving God. Just like, just what, just like what you're talking about. And we make these things up in our head. We make these, um, these assumptions, these, yeah. um, yeah. you know, all these things. like they, they call it in recovery, the committee up there. So we got all these little voices running around and, uh, you know, they tell us one thing and then another thing. And at the end of the day, most of the time it's all BS. It's, it's not it's not truth, because what's truth lies in here in my heart, in my soul. And when I know that there is a God and that he for, that he forgives me and that he allows me, um, you know, grace and to continue on in life and, and pick up. You know, and do my best. That's where some of that forgiveness for me has came in, and I've been able to give my forgive myself through forgive others, all that stuff, and all of that too comes in with that um, recovery and, and kind of redemption piece I want to go into right now. Yeah. What does that look like for you? Um, you know, you have this. You have a totally new life now. You got, like you have a brand. You, well, you've had one you, seven years, right? Eight years. Yeah. Yeah. A brand new life. You got a beautiful wife, Charlotte. Thank you for coming, I mean support. I mean that's that's uh, amazing right there. Um, I mean, what is that like for you? You, you, get to speak into to men's lives now about recovery. Well, I, it's amazing, I like man. to say,
2: you know, I'm living the best life that I've ever lived right now. And you know, right. We've lived, we, we live a lot of lives, right. We live when we're a child, you know, when we're kids, we have the kid's life, you know, when we're teenagers where have the teenager yeah. life, right. Uh, when I was running amok, you know, that was, that was a whole nother life. You know, this is now the best life that I've ever lived, you know? And, yeah. and like he said, you know, um, I'm, I'm thankful that I was able to be in a place where I could say hey dad you know I'm I'm sorry will you forgive me you know mm-hmm. and he did you know and uh hey you know and so now through what I've walked through in with my own family you know I've restored you know my brothers and my sisters you know so it wasn't just my dad that I didn't call it it, it was my whole family yeah you know and so and uh and my nieces it's funny she FaceTimed me uh, before, was that who you were talking to earlier? Yeah, that's who I was oh, talking nice. to earlier. She, I was you know, if you guys have a FaceTime. Niece, you know, she, she's thirteen and she's Facetiming me away. You know, before she used to, be, she was afraid of me. You know, kids were afraid of me. They'd run. I'd say hi. They'd cry. You know, <laughs> <laughs> but you know when there's a change in your life, you know it now. You know, God's restored all those things in yeah. my life. So. Uh, as far as the redemption, you know, it's just you don't know you don't know what you've lost until you started getting it all back. Yeah, you know? that's good. You get the integrity back, you know, when people trust you again. And uh, I don't even I don't even know where to. I, you know, I can just keep going forever. On, keep on all keep those going,
4: things. I love it. No, it's uh, well, you're sweating right now too. Yeah, it's a little like hot I up here, man. man I I got the it long, is a little hot. I lights, yeah. I,
2: I had the um, tall latte. You know. <laughs>
4: Did it have a, a pretty smiley face in it, it too? It had I saw, a heart ooh, it had on one. it. one? So yeah, a heart. Someone had yeah. one that had a heart on it too. It was an
2: eggnog latte. It was my, full of love. Yeah. My
4: uh, my buddy came. Uh, we we met here a few weeks back, and I hadn't seen him in a while. And uh, you know, and that's one of the other beautiful things. I get a lot of my old you know old homies who who i don't have to tell them i don't tell them what they need to do or what they should do or whatever i just do my thing and hopefully maybe they see like some changes in me that can that can bounce off and um you know can maybe help them make them start thinking a little different and uh so he hit me up and we had coffee back here and one of the great things and uh is is that you know no matter what those bonds are never broken because we come out and and i said uh i said what do you want um and he said i want he said some crazy drink uh a latte, some, some sweet thing. And I got to trash talk him a little bit and say, man, you're such a wuss, man. Yeah. Like, what's wrong yeah. with you? Just get some coffee, man. Yeah. yeah, there was really no point to that story. It kind of sucked, actually. I apologize. But I was wondering where you it was were going, funny. going Yeah, this. I don't know. I don't know. It was funnier at the time. Yeah. But I get Well, here, here's the thing. I guess there is a good point to that, though, is... recovery has allowed me the opportunity to make reconnections like that so um you know in in my life i mean it it, it's it's a it's a beautiful thing and it wouldn't probably wouldn't happen without it
2: yeah um yeah well when we're in addiction we isolate right you know our 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 friends are very select and few you know the only people that we're hanging out with are other people who get high you know and uh so when now that we're in recovery yeah now that we're in recovery right we get to meet so many more people you know now it's you know it talks about it's biblical and it it doesn't matter if you believe in the bible or not you know three chords are better than one you know uh we're stronger together you know there's power in numbers you know and so that's what uh you know the enemy does you know we we do it to ourselves you know i mean we isolate ourselves and you know you have you know when you isolate man you got nothing you got no resources you got no help and life just, life just yeah. sucks, you know, but when you have people around you, you know, um, you know, like I had somebody, cause you asked me earlier, you know, what is it like speaking the life speaking life in other guys, yeah. you know, it's like, well, it's, It's not, I'm speaking life, man. I'm just, I'm believing in them. You know, I had someone believe in me first, you know, if I didn't have someone believing in me, you know, I would have probably given up, you know, but because when you have somebody that sees something in you that you can't see for yourself, it it changes you, it changes your outlook, Mm. it changes your perception. You know, because it, it does. It, it goes from here, from what you're thinking that you are, to here. Because when they speak that out over you, hey, I believe in you. Hey, I see something in you. You feel it. It's in your heart, you know. And so your emotions start going. It's like, wow,
4: yeah. someone someone sees good in me,
1: you
2: know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've never had anybody say that. So someone believes in me, it's hard
4: to learn to sometimes how to accept that. I still go, I still have a hard time with that, with compliments or people speaking in. Like I'm like, really? Like, oh, okay. Uh, thank you. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like, I, I want to receive it, but it's hard to receive sometimes when, um, you know, that goes back to what I was talking about in the, in the intro about words that are spoke over us. They're very powerful and they create things in us that can shape us, um, from kids all the way into us as adults. And, uh, excuse me, that's a tough thing to, uh, to kind of, to step out of too. Um, I wanted to, uh, be, before I forget, I wanted to talk about uncomfortableness real quick here too, because I think it kind of plays into what you're saying, the isolation piece of it. Um, when we get comfortable, well, let me speak for myself. When I get comfortable, I don't grow. I stay right where I'm at. And guess what? I'm, I'm comfortable. I'm real good right where I'm at, but I'm not going, and, and I'm not going out into the light that I'm supposed to, to go down. And when I do that, it means getting uncomfortable a little bit, and it's tough sometimes. How, was there anybody, just be honest, who was a little bit uncomfortable coming even here tonight, just stepping out a little bit? There you go.
2: Yeah, dad. yeah. <laughs> That's my dad, man. That's... That a boy. See, He's honesty, I love it. Me. I mean, right, though. He's know, on the team. Yeah, you know, you do, you know, so, okay, like our step study, for example, you know, we got to write out the answers, you know, like, you know, they ask you questions, you know, what was your family secret, you know, who do you need to forgive, who do you owe amends to, and why, you know, it's like... It's some deep stuff, man. Not only do I have to think about it, but I got to write it down, and then once you write it down, now I got to share it with other guys, you know, and...
4: uh, But the the power in that is... It's unlike anything I've ever experienced. Yeah, they call it, they call it
2: healing power. Healing
4: yeah. power. I like so it. So
2: you get healing you know, cause we need to get healed it's up from, from our junk, power. you know, we get, we need to get freed up from that, you yeah. know? And so when we identify those things that, uh, cause at first we just think that we're just, Oh, I was just drinking beer or I was just smoking pot or I was just doing my thing, but it's really deep down issues. You know, uh, for, sure. for me, it was an acceptance level. You know, I wanted to be accepted, yeah. you know? So when you start going through the step study and you start answering these questions, you start realizing, you know, you learn that those things are just the side effects yeah. of, of what's oh, yeah. really going on. And so those are some of the tools in recovery that we get to learn about how we get to identify those things. It's like, Oh, okay. Uh, I got abandonment issues. Uh, I got, you know, I, I got low self-esteem, you know, I I have these things. And, and so once you, once you know what's going on, then you get to, then that's when you have the opportunity to work on yourself. It's like, you know what to work on.
4: Yeah. Well, like what you said too, like the, You know whether it's alcohol or drugs or or shopping um you know there's all kinds of food you know that's that's a big one i struggle with still and i'll be 100 percent honest about that you know with food or with sugar for me sugar is a drug too so yeah it's great i don't drink alcohol or do drugs anymore that's awesome but man i'll pound down a whole box of freaking oreos you know what i
2: mean and i eat food like three times a day (laughs) yeah (laughs)
4: It's Aren't like, you supposed to do that, yeah, Phil?
2: You know, I mean, when I wake up, it's like the first thing I think about. You I know? want food.
4: Breakfast. Better than cocaine.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy how that what we find comfort in, you know, and, and so, yeah, uh, yeah you know, emotional eating. you know, I didn't know that was a thing until I got sober, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, I never, I never got like, why do people like cry and once they say they watch a movie and you know watch the a ice chick cream, flick and eat the, the ice popcorn. cream. And, yeah. yeah. Like, oh, now, now I kind of know why, you know, because I, I don't do any other stuff.
4: You yeah. Know? Well, though, and, the, and so those tendencies. Can I, can I tell you a story? Please. Can I please, tell you a story? Please tell us a story, Phil. Please. You know,
2: my wife, uh, she is very, uh, my wife, Charlotte, she loves uh, organic Natural, healthy. She's all about you know. Uh, we're gonna live long together. I want you to eat right. You know, there's no we don't yeah. have we don't have hamburgers and French fries and things in our house. You know, it's like those are bad words.
4: Yeah, in our house that's illegal.
2: Yeah, and so you know, early on our marriage, you know, marriage is you know, it's up and down. We have we have a lot of good days, and sometimes you have some bad days. Well, I remember like, so we had a bad day. We got an argument, and actually, you know what I did.
4: I went to Wendy's. <laughs> What'd you, did you get this? You got the square patty. Did you get got the double the bacon, patty?
2: I got a big baconator. The baconator with baconator fry. fry. I'm like, I'm large gonna show fry. her. Diet know? Coke.
4: Diet. Was it Diet Coke? I, no,
2: no Diet. I just,
4: sometimes that makes people feel better. I got better me a large than, oh, I'll take a Coke, 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 baconator I, I fry. I'm like,
2: I'm gonna show her. You know, and
4: I'm just like. <laughs> <laughs> now let me ask you yes. this: Did you stuff the bag down underneath the seat, or stuff it at the bottom of the garbage so nobody would find it? That's a classic yeah, one. I did.
2: Too. I hit it. I knew it. I did. I knew it. I threw Phil. it out the window. I knew it. Yeah. Oh, you littered.
4: Yeah. You littered. Yeah. Oh goodness, you're breaking all the yeah. rules, I man. Was like, oh, Man. man. <laughs> oh, we got some friends. Yeah, we got some, we some friends got some trying friends. to come oh, in nice. late.
2: You know, better late than Jason never. Jason and, and yeah. Gina. Cool. Hey, when they walk in, let's just all clap yeah, when yeah, let's they get do it. in here. Yeah, please. Yeah. Hold on. If, if and when. Hey, you guys can go around the outside there, the outside gate.
4: Okay. I think I think they locked it. I think they locked it. But so well yeah actually But I don't know. I just yeah.
2: thought that was funny. You know, it's like, you know, I'm going to show you. Oh yeah. You know, I'm going to drink poison and what Well,
4: I meet, so I'm going to but since you busted yourself out, okay, hold on. We got to clap here in just a second. Hold on. All right. Woo! Yay! Jason and Gina. Yay! What's up? Jason and Gina. Yeah. In the house. What's up, guys? We love you guys. Right on yeah, for coming. We love you. Thanks for coming. Yeah. Heck yeah, man. <laughs> yeah (laughs) um so since you busted yourself out i'm gonna bust myself out too because i got i got a class one and i'll keep it quick jess will send me to the store so go hey babe we need taco sauce uh we need some almond milk we need some lettuce and uh i think that's it and i'll say okay cool i'll I'll go you know i'll I'll go i'll go i'll go right now so i'll go out i have a a a sick fascination with hostess cherry pies they're only a dollar at checkout so same thing. You're going through the line. I'm going to take the cherry pie. I'm going to stuff it down in the car. And then I'm going to hide the box underneath the seat and just be embarrassed and shameful afterwards. That's I just husband. ate another cherry pie. God, that's so terrible. It's the same type of, same type of thing. So we're, my point being, we're constantly working through so this weird. stuff, right? Why do we Why? do that? I don't yeah. know. <laughs> I don't know. And then I don't go to the gym because I'm like, oh, you're such a piece of shit. You, 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 didn't, you ate cherry pies and tacos last night. You might as well not go to the gym either. And then you don't end up going for you know, a, a month, a year, and it ends up being 13 years. And then you call your dad and he takes you out to dinner. And you know, there it is. Yeah, yeah. So what's your favorite step? Let's get into that okay, a little bit. Okay, my step. Let's, let's you guys talk wanna, about some steps. You guys
2: know the steps? Everybody I, know
4: 12 steps? Yeah. 12 steps, yeah. yeah you yeah, heard anybody? of those?
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah, my favorite step <laughs> is step 10. Does anybody know what that is? Uh, We continue to take personal inventory And when we were wrong We promptly admitted it Mm. Yeah Continue to You know what does that look like You know I mean It's a tough one Yeah um, Here's why I like it I like it because I mean I don't at the end of the day Like sit down and make a list Okay what did I What did I do wrong today What did I do right today but it helps me to evaluate my relationships and the things that I have done. Like, am yeah. I doing this right? Um, uh, I have a blended family. You know, I have steps. you know, so it's like, what did I do today that was good for them? You know, or yeah. what did I do that was bad? You know, it I, was like grumpy and yelled at them, you know. And so the, the hard part of that step, it, it's easy to take our inventory. But the hard part is the promptly admitted it, right? Mm. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm not always as prompt as I, as I should be, but... Uh, i think when i when i do admit the stuff that i where i'm wrong uh, it, it's it's so good um
4: well, that's why it's a process too right you're constantly working it
2: i don't have i don't have a bunch of stuff you know i don't have to look over my shoulder i don't have to if somebody says hey let's talk you know how many like hate that Hey, we need to talk. Oh, no. We're going to have a man-to-man. What did I do now? You know? Yeah. Oh, you have to start no. thinking. Well, when you do that when you do that 10th step, I don't have to. When someone says, hey, let's talk, it's like, okay. All right. What do you want to talk about? Yeah. You know? You're I don't free. have to think about, man, what have I said? Or what have I been doing? Yeah. Or, you know, so.
4: <laughs> well, I just thought about something, too. And can we just... Re- we have a... Um Kenny, I'm sorry I'm going to do this right now, but we, we really do. Vacaville has one of the finest police forces out here. My, my good friend Kenny Kenny Meek is here, Officer Meek. I just appreciate you, man. Thank you for coming out. And hey. the, the only reason I say that, too, is because it's kind of funny what you're saying. I still look at my rearview mirror sometimes because I used to drive with no insurance, no registration, no license. I did that for a long time. That was just the way that my life was. And I still find myself occasionally, not as much anymore, thankfully, but I'll be driving and I'll go, oh, shit, there's, there's a cop. Oh, it's like, oh, yeah, I have insurance. I have a license. I have, you know, yeah, I'm yeah. definitely far from perfect. That's for dang sure. But, like, man, I have some normal, normal things that I don't have to trip on that stuff anymore for. And uh, that's a beautiful yeah, thing. Yeah,
2: that's awesome. I like to actually drive up next to the cop, you know, and, like, <laughs> look at him, you know, get him to look at me. <laughs> You ever they get, get that? never can? look at you. <laughs> yeah. You guys kids never kids look like, at yeah. us. I'm like looking. I'm like, hey, I'm, hey, I'm sober. Yeah. You know. Pull me over. Fool. I'm sober. Yeah. Yeah. Know? Give me they a sobriety they test. They never look at me. You know. I'm like, wait. If they do, I wave and they, yeah, yeah. They take off. <laughs> That's good, salute, man. Get the salute. F- the one finger wave. You know? Yeah.
4: <laughs> Well, Phil, we got a, we got a few more minutes, and then we're going to bring Wordsmith up here. But okay. you're, you, you, uh, so you recently took a, a trip to the Philippines. So I want to talk yeah. a little bit about that. And you actually have another trip coming up where you're going to the Philippines yeah, too. In, uh, February, like? Yeah, in February.
2: Yeah, I had the honor of uh, it, man, it was just uh, you know talking about recovery and, and things that happen in our life, right? The, yeah. What's new and what's different? You know, it's like I'm leading a missions trip to the Philippines. It's like wow. You know, I never yeah, thought that really I could cool. ever do anything cool like that. And uh, so, yeah, last year was our first year. I got to lead with my wife. Uh, we had 11 people and uh, it was amazing, man. We we got to go to a lot of schools in the Philippines. They can't uh, children. If if they don't have school supplies, they can't go to school. Yeah. So we got to bless them with backpacks. Uh, filled with school supplies. Awesome. so, yeah, we're there with present. I mean, every school that we went to, man, they were just screaming. Uh, one of the funny things, one, one of my favorite things from there w- with the kids, uh, the, the team was getting the stage ready for something, and all the kids were lined up, and they're all just looking at me. And I just remember this video where the little baby, the guy's going, right, and the baby was doing it too. And I just, <laughs> they're all looking at me, so I just go, and then the whole, I mean, there must have been... 300 kids they all did Rah! All, all together yeah all at yeah. the same time That's and legit. I go Rah! oh man it was, it was awesome <laughs> and uh, you know when we're leaving man they're all doing like this they're showing me their muscles
4: just and, genuine happiness man though, it huh? was just so cool you know yeah. it,
2: it just being myself you know and just connecting with the kids like that uh, the other thing was I uh, got to speak in the Bahal District Jail and uh, it's like, wow, I, I, I never thought that I'd What was that sp- like? I never thought that it's, sp- they come in, well, they line everybody up outside their cells and then they sing a song for you. Really? Do you want to talk How, about, Yeah, sing it. You want to talk, wanna talk about it? awkward, you know? It's like, <laughs> oh, okay. They're like, okay, pastor, they call me pastor. Pastor, 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 Philip. <laughs> That's my Filipino accent, impression. Yeah.
4: Pastor, Philippe. It you was, know? you know, I'll give it a three. Sorry. It's cool, but I good tr- try I, though. I, I, I appreciate it.
2: Pastor, pastor, you know, say something, pastor. I'm like, yeah. Uh, uh check, You know, like, check. what do you say? I had no yeah. idea what to say. I'm like, yeah. uh, so I'm like, how do you say thank you in, in, it Phili- uh, what, Tagalog. Yeah. How do you say, oh. you know, and, uh, right now I forgot. What is it? <laughs> oh, salamat po. I'm like, salamat po. Salamat po. You know, it was horrible. Yeah. I felt so awkward, but they're all, Hey, then they all clapped. I'm like, okay, got through that, you know, but, uh, the cool <laughs> thing was, uh, I got to share my testimony and uh, one of the things so I had this room full of people and I shared my testimony at the end man they all raised their hand for salvation Uh, we passed out Bibles nice and uh, yeah and one of the guys that came up they wanted me to sign their Bible I'm like I, I didn't write this book you know I'm yeah I'm not. I'm not that guy, yeah. you, know?
4: you know. I showed up with a laundry basket right? you know, and I mean, some clothes. Yeah,
2: I'm just this dude, you know. Yeah. I'm here, and that's pretty cool, though. Yeah, it was. So I, I, you know, it made me feel weird. You know, like I didn't want to sign the Bible because I don't feel like I'm that kind <laughs> You're of person. Jesus, but here's yeah.
4: <laughs> I don't know if I don't know if you'd like that too much. No.
2: Here's what this guy said to me. It, it, it just, you know, he was like, "Hey, will you sign my Bible?" Because. Every time I open my Bible, I want to be reminded of your story mm-hmm. and what it means to me and it just it hit me right here so I'm like okay, you know <laughs> what, what was your name, you know and I, you know, and so I signed the Bibles and, you know, I, I tried to just, you know, and just encourage them. You know, I just I had to I have to keep going back to what worked for me, you know, yeah. and, and that's what I can do. So I was encouraged to get where I'm at today. So I just encourage those guys, even though they're in jail, you know, but encourage yeah. them that there's there's life after and you know, there's life for them when they get out. Yeah. So.
4: So what is it? so you so you're going back coming going up? Back. Thank you for for sharing yeah, that too. I yeah. think it's phenomenal, and it's also great. I mean, you're going back now. So you and Charlotte are going. Yeah, we're going back. Yeah, we're going which back. is soon, right? January.
2: Yeah. So. yeah. Yeah, uh, so you can go on my Instagram, uh, underscore Philip, underscore W. Uh, there's a link in my bio. It tells you the whole story. And if you'd like to donate, shameless plug. Yeah, yeah. Get, you yeah know, if you'd hey, like to donate, hey. help support me, uh, yeah. uh, that'd be awesome. But uh, you can learn all about the trip. And uh, if it's something that you're interested in, uh, we're going again next year, too. So yeah. come on.
4: So what do you want to leave uh, for everyone here uh, tonight? And then also, obviously, this is going to go out to uh, to the, the podcast next week. Um, what's your last parting words of advice or thoughts or anything to maybe someone out there who's struggling with addiction or maybe has a loved one who's struggling with addiction?
2: Well, I think uh, my theme kind of tonight was uh, you can't do it alone. Right. Yeah. And uh, so, hey, don't be afraid to reach out. You know, don't be afraid to pick up the call and, and to call somebody. You know, it's not as bad as you think. Yeah. It, it, it's not. You know, it's not.
4: So. There's always some hope, man. Yeah. That's good it. stuff, brother. Uh, thank you. Give it up for Philip Wright, everyone. Let me get a hug, man. All right. You guys enjoy that? It's good stuff, man. Thank you again, Philip. It's pretty awesome, man. Um, so I want to share one thing real fast, and then I'm going to bring Wordsmith up here. Um, so my other daughter, Lucy, uh, it's funny how things happen, um, you know, my other daughter. Yeah, that's right. My other child, should I say. <laughs> hey, you never know, right? I don't know. <laughs> you got something to say. Okay, here, here it comes, guys. No, I'm just playing. Um, So my daughter, Lucy, uh, you know, in the chaos of of being a father and trying to do, you know, do cash and Lucy and just everything going on. I love I love both those guys so much. Um, They got their advent calendars today. Right. It's December 1st today. So they were so pumped on it. And um, I believe it was Aunt Wanda that sent those out, too. So in case she listens to this, thank you, Aunt Wanda. That was very nice of you. Um, So they've been talking about it for, you know, I don't know. We've had them for two weeks now. Do we get to open them yet? No, we don't get to open them yet. We don't get to open them yet. And so finally, you know, today came December first, and uh, and that was one of the first things Lucy asked in the morning. Hey, Dad, can I have some chocolate? Can I open my advent calendar? I'm like, sure. It's 9:30. Have at it, right? And I'm kind of jumping around doing stuff, and she's sitting there, and um, you know, they open their they open them up, and they got the chocolate, and they're so excited, and. Um, and she's talking, you know, how, when someone's talking to you and you hear it out of your peripheral hearing, but you don't really hear what they're saying because maybe your mind, that's the power of the mind, right? It's focused on something else. We're doing four different things at once. Well, she said it to me three different times. And finally, like on the third or fourth time, my ears perked up and, and, uh, and I heard it and I said, what? I said, what'd you just say? Say, say that again. It wasn't a curse word. Thank God. <laughs> this is what she said to me. Well, she read from the advent calendar. She said, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light, Isaiah 9-1. And I said, wow. I went, man, that's, that's amazing right there. I said, man, that speaks to everything that, that you know, um, that Sober Guy's about, that Recovery's about, that just doing this tonight is about just getting people together. We've all, I don't care if you're in recovery or not. Every one of us has had challenges in life. That's just life. And, you know, when that light has, you know, comes back and shines down on us, man, it's, it's a beautiful thing. And so just like Phil said, there's always hope, you know, you, there's always hope moving forward. So I just wanted to share that uh, before we move on. So Wordsmith, man, this is uh, such a such a cool cat, such a good guy. Uh, let me give you a little bit about about his background, real quick. Uh, Wordsmith speaks in school um, in school campuses, youth detention facilities, transitional homes, group homes, county jails, penitentiaries, and various community outreaches. The mindset of his mission is to reach the unreachable and teach the unteachable. Uh, Neighborhood Hope Dealer is a nonprofit organization dedicated towards changing lives, and uh, and the hope, uh, which the acronym stands for, helping others prosper eternally i mean this man's doing some amazing work uh he's he's a great human being and it's an honor to have him on the show tonight so Word Smith, please come up man what's up what's up baby? how you doing i'll get the intro hug we'll get the outro one too man. thank you, you, you. you thank you my brother have a seat man all right all right yeah.
1: Uh, So what's up? How you doing? Man, I'm doing good, man. You got to have that Journey representation. That's how they put it on on TV.
4: Yeah, Yeah, we got to do that again. Just another good plug for Journey. They got some good stuff. What you drinking on?
1: Actually, lemonade. (laughs) On the rocks. I love it. On the rocks.
4: That's how we do it. Man, so what do you, what do you I mean, you're, you're a busy dude, you are doing uh, a lot of good work. Um, I know you got a toy drive coming up, which we're going to get to uh, towards the end. I want to talk a little bit about that uh, before we uh, before we wrap up tonight. Uh, but first, to start us off, um, it's funny how how connections are made. And, and you and I have a connection that goes back to, um, you know, probably the late 90s, early 2000s. You, uh, you know, you're you're a hip hop artist. Uh, You were a a member of Absolute, which from back in the day, which is kind of where I first was introduced to you and knew you from. And, uh, you know, the good homie Chris Elliott's here tonight from back in the day. What's up, Chris Elliott? Um, So maybe we can start there. Give us a little bit about your history, um, about your your love for hip hop, and then um, just tell us a little bit about yourself, man.
1: Man, listen, I love music. I love putting (laughs) words together. As a kid, I used to get in trouble in school a lot because I'd always be rapping, I'd always be banging on my desk, making beats. It was something that was in me as a little kid. I would Everywhere I go, I would rhyme. Everything I would say would be a rhyme. And so uh, Absolute was just an, a bunch of friends that were together and we started rapping and having fun and then we started doing shows and then we started, you know, making music, and then we started recording, and then everybody in the neighborhood started listening, and then everybody in the city started listening, and it's 2018 going to 2019, and he's bringing it back up again because he listened. <laughs> Isn't that crazy, man? Absolutely.
4: Well, I remember one of the first shows was at the Live Music Center, and it was like Absolute and Papa Roach, like at the old, old Live Music Center, a little hole in the sure. wall, and you know, some of those times uh, were, were some good times. The the Vacaville music scene had it, had it cracking off back then, man, so it was good stuff. So a lot of the stuff, if we fast forward to today, man, I, I said it in the bio, you're speaking in, in jails, in schools, group homes, a lot of good work uh, that you're doing. Um, how did you start Neighborhood Hope Dealer? Let's kind of let's backtrack there first, actually.
1: To be honest, it was pain. Um, for a long time, I, f- I faced a lot of depression. For a long time, I faced drug addiction. Hmm. For a, I faced years of penitentiary incarceration. Um, I was getting in trouble left and right, and I never understood why I had to go through what I had to go through. And then when I gave my life to God, I ended up surrendering my life to Jesus. It was crazy because he took all that pain and made it the preparation for my purpose. Mm. And one day he whispered in my spirit, he said, I've called you to be not a dope dealer. I've called you to be a hope dealer. And nobody had been saying those words. Nobody had said hope dealer. Nobody had any organizations. When you looked online, there was no such thing. And so I thought that was amazing. And so I said, God, how do I do that? And he said, I'm glad you asked.
4: (laughs) How do do we open ourselves up to hear that? I mean, I don't know if there's a general, there's a specific answer for it, but I mean, in your case.
1: um, There was a scripture in the Bible that when I was high, I used to smoke daily, drink nightly every single day. Um, I was trying to find peace. I was trying to find my identity. I was trying to find who I was. Hmm. Um, I was miserable. I felt empty on the inside. And so I started seeking God as I would smoke, I would talk to him. I didn't have any religious back. I don't know anything about going, I don't know any of this church stuff. I don't know none of that. All I know is I'm getting high every day and I would sit in the parking lot as I smoked and I would start seeking God. Hmm. And I would say, God, I need help. If you, and then one of the key things I said one day is I said, if you don't help me, I'm gonna die. And it was crazy because hmm. when I came to the end of myself, it's then that I started hearing who he was. Wow. And it was, and so I started hearing this voice, seek and ye shall find. And I kept thinking, Seek and ye shall find. And I would smoke some more. I thought it was just because I was high. I didn't know what. And then one day I had went to church. And it was Harvest Church in Vacaville. And then we're talking years ago. I mean, so long ago I was skinny. But the, <laughs> but the thing about it is, is they were talking about seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and then all, not some, all these things shall be added, not achieved added unto you, and so I I thought to myself wait a minute man, seek, seek so he wanted me to seek who he was and everything will be added I don't need you to worry about achieving anything, all I need you to do is keep coming, and so when I smoked, I smoked with him when I drank, I drank with him, and all of a sudden he never judged me, he never criticized me, he never analyzed me he never ostracized me He never knocked it out of my hands. He cleansed it from my heart, and I put it down. And so as I kept seeking, I started growing in this relationship to where it was real. It wasn't what a preacher told me. It wasn't what a deacon told me. It wasn't what my friend told me. It was what he told me. And so I had to go through that to understand that.
4: I love that, man, because... I think that there's a common misconception and, um, you know, between religion and a relationship with God. And Absolutely. that's kind of what, what you're getting at. Can you elaborate on that a little bit more?
1: A lot of people go to church, but never really get to the one who they're talking about. And it's sad because I see it, you know, I go to church after church. I believe in one body, you know, I believe in all of them. Some people will get so caught up in the building. They forget about what the, what it really means to be the church. We're created to be the church, not to go to church. So long story short, You know, they don't don't have any power. They don't have any victory. They're still living the same cycle in their life, but they they know the dance steps. They know the word. They can preach the Bible. They can tell you everything and tell you when you're wrong. But where's your love? Where's your understanding? I could be around people smoking weed right now, and I don't need them to know I go to church. And I don't need them to understand that I know Scripture. I don't preach at them. So when a relationship with Jesus is, you know, he was walking through the city, and Nicodemus walked up to him and asked him the question. And so when you're right with God and you're walking with God, people will walk up to you and ask the question. And you say, just like he told me, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> That's
4: good, man. Um, you, you talked a little bit about not finding yourself or, 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 being lost in a, you know, in a moment. And I think, um, I know for me, I searched for a long time and I, and I'm continuing to search as I grow and continue on, on this, uh, on this path, this little journey that I'm on. What was the difference between when, when you first were still smoking drinking out there running amok you didn't did did you know who you were at all or was it not until that you found god and started to to make those changes that you, he started to show you who you really were
1: no i didn't know who i was i was in an identity crisis and i didn't understand <laughs> who i was until i found out who christ is yeah and so m- my whole thing was was I, I was hanging around the wrong people i was doing the wrong things i was i i, I was high i was drunk I was getting caught up, I was getting arrested, I was miserable, I was in pain. And so the, the old analogy is hurt people hurt people, yeah. and I was hurting my family tremendously.
4: So when you go into to schools, to prisons, to, to jails, um, what are you seeing in there, and how are you able to transfer that love uh, over, over to a, a lot of broken people?
1: Um, I see myself. See, now, now that's when I understand I had to go through the homelessness. I had to go through sitting behind the walls. J90491, that was my number. I had to go through that. I had to stand in front of Ramona Garrett as my judge in Solano County. I had to have the police put me on the pavement. I had to go in the back of the car. I had to just, I had to be embarrassed. I had to go through alcoholism. I had to go through all this and I didn't want to do it. I didn't like it. I was in such a depression. My mother thought I was gonna commit suicide. And so all of a sudden, when I began to get that peace an understanding of who I was. It was then he flipped everything. The reason I had you go through this is to understand when you get in front of these people, you're going to understand how they feel. You're going to understand how they see life. You're going to understand how they feel about themselves. And so when you're in front of them, I don't need you to preach to them. I need you to love on them. And so when I love on them, they ask me the questions. They'll say, "Yo, man, I don't I don't think you understand how I feel." And I'm like, "Well, test me a little bit. Let's talk." And they'll start talking about this and I'll start out by telling them how to roll the the greatest blunt that you could ever roll. And they're like, wow, how do you know that? And I'm like, "I'm I'm glad you asked. And I began to tell them how when I was inhaling weed, how it would confuse me and how it would make me feel. And I was depressed. And they're like, man, that's how I feel. And tears will start to draw. And I'll be like, listen, but this is the other part of it. Now I crack the swisher and I fill it with scripture. See, what I'm telling you is I get high on Jesus. And see, I do creative stuff like that. It just comes to me. You know, and what happens is they say, man, that was pretty cool. It opens up conversation. And then that's when I began to give them the reality of what they need. It's, it's, It's not just shoving it at them. They're ready to receive it.
4: I was going to ask you if you were a Swisher or a Philly guy, but you just answered Swisher. the question. Swisher. So. Chocolate. Yeah, chocolate. Okay, not the grape. No, no grape? We used to do the grape. No,
1: because it smells like grape everywhere you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
4: you know, there's no hiding it. Yeah. Um, what does reach the unreachable and teach the unteachable mean to you, man?
1: So many people give up on people. I love how Jesus would walk through a city and he would never give up on anybody. You know, and so story after story about how he would walk through the city and, and he would reach the unreachable. And my whole thing is this, there's no unreachable unless you're unteachable. And so if there's somebody who's unteachable, there's a great way to penetrate that. That's just love them. Let the compassion be in your action, not in your words. And pretty soon they'll let their guard down. As soon as they let their guard down, the door opens for the opportunity. And trust me, man, I mean, uh, I've had the opportunity to be in San Quentin Penitentiary where there's 3,000 inmates staring at you. You know, you have an, an environment where it's segregated by color. And so I tell them, don't make, the ra- don't, don't make racism the issue. Don't discriminate due to the color of my skin tissue. And so they start laughing. They're like, oh, this dude got, you know. So and then when, I, when, they, when, the, when the walls break, <laughs> yeah. I'm standing in front of a man named Harry O. If you ever get a chance, look him up. This is the reaching the unreachable. And so all of a sudden, this guy is the, one of the biggest Coke dealers in the world. He started Death Row Records with Suge Knight, Tupac. We always hear about those people, but we never hear about the one behind the scenes who put the money in. And now he's in prison paying the price for it. I was the, had the opportunity to spend time with him. He broke down and started crying. He gave me a hug and said, man, listen, this, this means the world to me. So reaching the unreachable is just being able to see, like, you know what, God, send me where no man wants to go and let me do what no man That's even good. thinks they can.
4: How do you love on somebody who doesn't want the love? Like, there's a lot. We, I, I know I go through that. I'm sure a lot of us go through that. Where. You see that you see somebody that you love, a friend, a family member. You want to help them. You want to give them love, but they're not willing or able or at that time to accept that love. How do you how do you kind of deal with that?
1: Long suffering. It's one of the fruits of the spirit, and a lot of people don't talk about that. They talk about peace and joy and all the great ones, but the long suffering is being able to withstand all the action. See, because the thing about it is, hurt people hurt people. They're not hurting you because they want to. They're hurting you because they're hurt. Yeah. See, when you understand that, then you begin to realize, man, just sit there and any opportunity you get to show your love, show it. And don't be moved by what they do to you.
4: What's the HOPE, hope program? Is that, is that kind of what we're talking about or that you're going into um, the jails, penitentiaries, everything? Or is that something separate?
1: It's a mentoring component. What we do is we go into juvenile halls where you would be amazed 90% of these kids don't have fathers. Mm. So we go in there as their father. I tell them I love them. You'd be amazed on how they look at you when you say the words, I love you. I said, look, man, I love you, and I'm not asking nothing from you. I'm not asking you to love me back either. I just want you to know I'm an extension of your father. I know you're probably thinking I'm not your dad, but this is the key. I'm going to tell you the things that your dad would want to tell you if he had the opportunity to speak to you. And they break down right there. And then I begin to tell them social skill training, practical skill training how to look a man in his eyes, how to shake his hand. We do all the training to where they feel good about themselves. And when they feel good about themselves and they start seeing that they have value, because that's the key, you matter. Once we tell them you matter, then they, begin, they become part of the HOPE program, and now they're walking through it because they want to, not because the court told them they had to give you a certain amount of hours, not because they have to. They begin to want to.
4: So you see a big change like in the spirit, in the in the person themselves when like like I was talking about earlier, speaking into people. You're speaking into this young man who has never had somebody speak into him before, especially for like a lot of a lot of uh, young, young men out there who don't have a father around, or if their father is around. Maybe they don't have the best relationship. That's a kind of a classic thing. You're able to kind of revert that and, and speak into their lives and build them up. So important.
1: Absolutely. It's like a seed. You plant the seed, but you don't see the harvest for a long time. Mm. So when you see a kid and you plant that seed into who he is, you have to believe that that seed will come to fruition in due season. It's not even for me to see it. That's not for me to reap the harvest. But I'm going to plant that seed, I'm going to water that seed, and then I trust God to bring the increase. And so that mm. whole program is huge. I've seen kids go from killers to the nicest young men you have ever be able to imagine because their whole insides change from planting that seed.
4: Let's talk some hip-hop, man. Let's go. You got you got some... Uh, what are you working on right now? Any new hip-hop stuff? Uh, and you may have saw... Uh, you may have saw Wordsmith in the... Uh, 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 Fiesta, or uh, Is it Fiesta Days? Yeah, Fiesta... The parade. Not, But not this year. That's where I've seen you a couple times out there, too. I know you're doing way more than that, too. But it's always good to see... I see that float go by. I saw, oh, there's Wordsmith right there just rocking it. Kids bouncing their head up and down, people. Man, I remember... I just got to share this with you. When I went by, it, it, it literally... Um, it made me want to cry, bro, because I felt the presence of Jesus of God. I felt the presence so strong of it. and it's just a bu- you, you. You're a bunch of dudes up there just rocking it, heads bouncing, basses just slumping. But there was something about it that was so beautiful, just seeing that thing go by. And you're continuing to do that out in the streets, out in the hood, out in the. I mean, everywhere, man. You're bringing that through music, man. That's a powerful thing.
1: Think about the the float. It's not you know for entertainment. <clears throat> it's an opportunity that. We get to give somebody who never, ever gets an opportunity to be on a platform, we bring them in front of the entire city. Hmm. So everybody on our platform is from prison, an ex-drug addict. They might be a drug addict at the time. You never know. But at the end of the day, we bring them on that platform and let them be seen because if they can see the future of what the greatness they have and that's waiting on them on that float, they can experience it for that moment they're through the city then they realize, wait a minute, I understand what you're telling me now. Yeah. God has a plan for my life. And so if we go city to city and do all kinds of parades, the reason we weren't in the parade this year wasn't because we didn't want to be. They wouldn't let us be in the parade this year. It was okay. We said, it's, sometimes it's not for our understanding. But, but mm. we literally said, okay, no problem. We'll see you next year.
4: She brought up something really, really good I just thought of. It's not of your understanding. I can't count how many times I've sat there and said, why? Why this? Why that? this fly's kicking my butt right now. Why, you know, why did this happen to me? Why did this, why did I lose that job? Why did I do, how do you deal with the, the question of why? I mean, like you said, it's not for my understanding, but it's a, it's a, I feel like it's a normal thing to ask that question. How do we kind of deal with that?
1: It's very simple. If God don't open the door, I'm not Jimmy in the lock. Hmm. And what I mean by That's that good. is this, is he knows the whole story. I only know part of it. What if we were were out there on that float this year and somebody was a gang member and he was on the float and now we're all shot up because his rival was watching? What if there's so many scenarios that God might have just said, not this year, we're shutting the door. So when you let him lead, we follow.
4: Yeah. So. Back to the hip-hop thing, too. What are you listening to right now? What's some good positive hip-hop? I saw you did some work with Bizzle, with Seven. I love the video, by the way. It's got, like, over a million views. Kenny actually told me that. When I saw Kenny, he goes, man, you got to link up with Wordsmith. He goes, man, did you see the video on there? It's got, like, one, over a million views. I said, man, that's amazing, bro. Just people just pursuing that.
0: Awesome. Yeah, music
1: is a, is a tool. I mean, um, especially when I go to, to jails, like I said, racism is heavy. Satan uses that so heavy. I mean, um, if, if you're a rapper, you have to be black. That's just how it is. And it's crazy, man, how he's lodged himself in there. But So when I come in and I start rapping, and all of a sudden they see I'm not black, but yet I'm as gifted as I am, it opens up their heart to receive. So God gave me the tool to do just that, conduct surgery on their hearts, but allow him to work through me. So I'm not really trying to do a music career. Um, I gave up music. I was like, you know what, Lord, I did that when I was – dealing drugs when I was out there doing wrong, I'm done with this. And he was like, nah, you're not done with it, but just let me lead. And so I've had the biggest artists, you say Bizzle, you say Seven, you say they seek me out. See, the one of the things is is that I don't say that because I'm so good. You take good and take the O out and slide the D over, it's because God. It's because when you seek God, greatness will seek you. And so I didn't understand it, and the music for me, You know, you get big. I mean, real big. I was in another city today, and a guy just flipped out. He goes, oh, my goodness, it's you, man. And I was looking at him, and I'm like, I'm thinking, my mind is, do I owe you money? I I don't know. I I don't know. But he was like, wordsmith, I know you. And see, the music will put you on another platform, right? But I didn't use it for that. I used it to, to, when I was in San Quentin, they said, "Go go ahead, it's all you. And they handed me the microphone. First thing I said was, God, what do you want me to speak? He said, nothing. I want you to rap. And see, rap ain't nothing but radical, anointed preaching. When you understand how rap works, then you begin to understand what God is doing through that tool. If you ever want to know Jesus was a rapper, read the Beatitudes.
4: <laughs> right? <laughs> um, man, dude, so much good stuff. Man, my, I think you're just blowing my mind right now, dog. It's just like, it's so good. Um, let's talk a little bit about, about, uh, about acceptance and surrender. I think those are two, two big words, um, especially in recovery, just in general. Um, you know, I know my, my battle, my struggles battling those demons going back and forth, man. Uh, you know, just when I'd get to a point, the enemy would infiltrate and say, nah, you don't need to do that. Or you, you're not like them. You can't do this. How do we get to a point? I mean, is it pain? Is it, um, is it desperation? Is it anger? I mean, what, what do you think? What's your take on accepting right where we're at in the moment and then, and then surrendering?
1: Failure. You're gonna, if you don't accept, you're going to fail over and over and over. So God gave me this quote one day. He said, a winner is a failure who will never quit. And I kept hearing it over and over. And so I said, Lord, what do you mean? He said, when you surrender to me, you go from earth to heaven when you die. But when you submit to me, you bring heaven to earth while you live. And I said, wait a minute. He said, all you really need is me. And when you can understand that, that's the acceptance. Hmm. Like, I really don't care what people think of me, to be honest with you. I'm, I'm, I'm almost arrogant. And it's not arrogant in my abilities, arrogant in who I am. It's arrogant in who my father is. And so when I mess hmm. up, I fess up. I'm like, I blew it, man. My bad. <laughs> I had a situation at work where somebody thought, you know, uh, that I did them wrong. And so I said, this is a great opportunity, God. He goes, I know. So I walked in front of everybody and humbled myself and apologized. And I wasn't even wrong. Somebody said, hey, man, you weren't even wrong. I said, the relationship means more to me than being right. And I said, but making my father pleased with me means more than any of what I just said. And so they looked at me like, that was powerful. So the acceptance comes from knowing who you are in him because he's the one that intricately formed you in your mother's womb. He's the one that thought you and spoke you into existence. So why would I even care what anybody else thinks? Hmm, that's good, man.
4: How do you block out or battle back against, against that voice, though, that enemy voice that infiltrates and tells you, you you're not good enough? You're not, you know, you're not, you're not uh, big enough. You're not smart enough, you know. Is there is there a way, especially for somebody who uh, maybe is newly introduced to recovery or to uh, a higher power to God? uh, Is there is there something um, that you think that maybe maybe is a little tool we could use to uh, to do that?
1: Uh, For me, very simple. The devil will tell you you're not good enough. I say you're right. You're not strong enough. You're right. You'll never make it. You're right. But through him, I can do all things. Through him, he gives me my strength. And that's when the devil's a punk. He just steps back like, this dude's got the remedy. See, the remedy and rationale is not thinking you can. It's knowing you can through him. And that's where the failure comes in. i failed so many times in my life that that's the only reason I understand who Jesus is. It's not because I sit in Sunday morning service. It's not because I – it's because I was in the dope house, and I understand, man. I can't – I walk down the street late at night with tears flooding my face saying – If you don't help me, I'm going to die, man. I need Hmm. you. So I came to the end of myself. The Bible says, deny yourself, then pick up the cross and follow me. So it's not anything about myself. And if we still think we can do it, that's where the enemy has a foothold. Hmm. So you got to understand you can't, but through him you can.
4: Man, that's good, bro.
1: I went to NAAA at the same time. (laughs) And it didn't help me. And it's not because I didn't surround myself. It's not because I didn't put myself. It's because I was empty. And as soon as I got that power, see, people can't see air, but you inhale it into your lungs. You can't see his presence, but it comes inside your heart. And when it does, all of a sudden, addiction, you can't touch me. It's because the Jesus stands up.
4: Swollen, huh? Yes, yeah. like yoked
1: up. And don't get it wrong. I mean, sometimes, you know, the devil knocks at my door with discouragement. He knocks at my mm-hmm. door with, with frustration. He knocks at my door with, with failure. He knocks at my door with temptation. I just look through the peephole and say, Jesus, is for you. <laughs>
4: That's good, man. Yeah, give it up for that, man. So many good things. So what's up with the toy drive coming up, man? I know you guys have done this for a couple of years now. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. I think you have a show coming up, too, on the 15th, right? Yeah. Or, uh, after the toy drive or during or what's that?
1: So we have a toy drive, and that's simply to engage communities. Um, I'm not into toxic charity, just throwing toys at kids and feeling good about myself and going home and, and, and eating and celebrating. No, uh, we use the toy as a tool. Hmm. See, there's a testimony in every toy. I'll give you an example. We went to a neighborhood, started out with one truck, one neighborhood. Little boy walks up. We handed him a football. He was like, oh, this is for me. And we were like, yeah, (laughs) that's for you. And so he ran away so full of joy. Maybe 10 minutes later, he came back. He said, look, man, I want to give this football back. So we said, no, that's for you, young man. Merry Christmas. He said, I don't have a dad that would play football with me. So I was thinking that you could give it to a kid who does. See, there's the opportunity. The window opened to stop the entire toy drive, to jump off the truck, create a football game, touch football game right there on the pavement. So then he began to see us in a different light. Nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. And so all of a sudden he said, man, who are you guys? I'm glad you asked. And we told him. And he joined the church. He started getting mentors around him. He stopped getting uh, uh, suspended from school. He started doing well in his class. And now he's, he's almost into an elevated situation where he's graduating from high school. So the toy drive is not something we just go to a neighborhood. It's where we engage the community and we show them what love is, not just talk about it. Hmm.
4: So where, so I know you do uh, Fairfield, Vacaville, Vallejo, right? There's yeah. three separate ones. Uh, if someone wanted to get involved in that, uh, how can they help out or where can they find more info?
1: Neighborhoodhopedealer.com. All you got to do is go to the website, sign up. We'll plug you right in. And it's very simple. There is no pressure. Well, I can't, uh, you know, talk to the community. We don't need you to talk. We'll, we'll have you stand behind a table and hand out a donut. See, when you hand out a donut, it creates dialogue. Once you create that dialogue, all of a sudden, guess what? The Holy Spirit takes over. We don't need you to say anything anyway. <laughs> so when you understand that, I've had so many people, you know, uh, you know, I'm not from the streets. Good. That's what we need. We need people who can show a different element of life. We don't need the streets. We need you. Oh, so they come out, and there was a man who was standing next to the table, and they handed him a donut and a cup of coffee. Created conversation. The man said, "Uh, I got to be honest with you, man. I'm I'm thinking about committing suicide. My life ain't worth nothing. The individual goes, That's funny, man, because 10 years ago I felt the same way. But let me tell you my story. Pretty soon this man joined Neighborhood Hope Dealer, never killed himself, and he's coming out Christmas to give back to the community as God gave to him. So, I mean, this is crazy.
4: Dude, killing it, bro. I love it. Thank you so much, man, for coming out too, man. It's just good stuff, bro.
1: I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah.
4: Um. Well, you've said. Well, I I was going to ask you to say. Well, so what do you want to leave us with? But man, you just left us with so much stuff. It's like kind of a dumb question, I guess. But. So what we're going to do here too, I'm going to bring Phil back up and and we're going to open it up a little bit for a Q and a, some share. If if y'all want to share a little bit, or you have a question, you can come on up to the And The only reason you got to come up to the mic, we can probably all hear you, but I want to make sure it gets on, on, on the recording for the podcast too. Uh, But before we do that, any parting words, man, just maybe someone out there listening on the podcast uh, uh, recording or tonight uh, who's struggling with addiction, who's struggling with anything in life, man, what what would you tell them, man?
1: Uh, Very simple there was a woman with the issue of blood. That issue was sent into her life to destroy her existence. I'm reading the scripture and I'm thinking to myself, wow, man. It says she went to the doctor, she asked him to conduct surgery. They said, for this amount of money, we'll do it. She went away, sold everything she had, came back, gave him the money, they conducted surgery only to receive the same report. You're still going to die. I thought about that. I was like, man, I faced that so many times. I tried it. I tried it. I tried it. And that's when God said, a winner is a failure who will never quit. Keep coming. Abide in me and let my word abide in you. Keep coming. So all of a sudden, I could imagine the pain. I could tap into the emotions that she felt because her life is about to end. It's over. There's no hope. But see, there's always hope. So as she was walking through the city, there was this man who was walking. He wasn't walking up to her. He was walking by her. All of a sudden, she looked at this man and would have never looked at him before, but she was at the end of her rope. As this man walked, he had disciples surrounding him like a security team does a superstar. All of a sudden, she said, forget it. She pressed her way through the disciples, fought her way all the way up to the person of who this man was. His name was Jesus. She reached out and grabbed the hem of his garment, and power and virtue came out of who he was. All of a sudden, she was healed. See, that brought so much hope to me because nobody could give me an answer, man. But Jesus did. And see, he turns around and he says, watch this. Who touched me? See, I always talk to the Bible. I'm like, well, you know who who did, Jesus, because you're Jesus and you know she was coming because you're probably there for her. He looked at his disciples and that's the church. Who touched me? They said, man, we've been around you all day long. Ain't nobody touched you. He said, that's the problem. You've been around me all day long and you've never touched me. Some of you out there have issue after issue and you're battling it on your own power. But by the sound of my voice, reach out and touch who he is. Some of you are, are, are willing to give up right now. You don't have to. You can win. Just touch who Jesus is. When you reach out and touch who he is, see, the Bible is, the, is, is who he is. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. That's who he is. And when you understand that, reaching out and touching it is not physically touching your Bible. It's believing what he said. And when you believe what he said, the power and virtue will come out of the word, and it will heal you right where you are. I can't wait to meet you one day. My name is WordSmith, and I am your Neighborhood Hope Dealer.
4: Give it up for WordSmith. <laughs> Philip, come on up, man.
1: Thank you, Beth. You want to get up? No, no, you're cool. Okay
4: right stay here. right there, yeah. So you want to sit down or you want to, Oh, uh, yeah, I'm good. All right. So Hope you guys both enjoy or hope you guys all enjoyed both uh Wordsmith and Philip uh, tonight. We're going to do a and a some questions like I said, any uh man. You just you just blew my mind, dude. My mind's no, all I over think, the place. I think I right think we should now.
2: call him Pastor Word. I,
4: I think, yeah. I don't know, man. Pw. But, you know, it's just yeah. I, I gotta go. I can't wait to go back and listen to to everything, man, from tonight. It's really really good, man. That's what this is about. You, it's just about us coming together. And when we step out, uh, even the last show we did was about stepping out into community, and that leads into stepping out of our comfort zones a little bit and come together. And 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 we get to hear great words like that. Great conversations. We get to meet new people. We get to come together, and that's the power. of stepping out so i want to encourage anybody if you got a question if you got a thought please come up and share it y'all can't leave till we get at least three questions so you guys are stuck here till at least three of you brave souls come on up and uh have at it bill you're gonna start it off bill i see you moving man i love you man no no i was just just putting all right you're good three
2: strikes you're out yeah literally yeah
4: (laughs) anybody who's first who's 1st y'all like i said nobody's leaving until you come up come on kenny oh thank you kenny yeah all right give it up for ken Hi, I'm the cop. (laughs) So I've known you two for a long time. Yeah. Just getting to know you through Shane and coming out here. Uh, My question is, I'm out on the front lines. I I see the face of addiction uh, day in, day out at work.
3: From recently as young as 12 years old to,
4: hell, up in 70s, 80s. -hmm. What would you say to someone like me to help reach those people? You know, I know where do you say at the end of of the rope,
2: but recently the ones that have been hitting me are these 13-, 14-year-olds that are out on the streets, sleeping on the streets right now. They have no family. I'm trying to reach them, but it's talking to a wall. So.
1: Go ahead. No, go ahead.
2: (laughs) Okay, so, you know, I I had – so along lines of what Wordsmith said, you know, when, when, you, when you plant a seed in someone's, in someone's mind, you know, you don't have to see the fruit of it. Uh, I had a cop tell me once, he, uh, I, was in a, I was in a house, it got raided, the police, you know, I was in the, in the right place at the wrong time. And, uh, you know, and it was scary, you know, they kicked the door in, get on the ground, the whole nine yards, you know. And, uh, and I had this cop, you know, he said, what are you doing here, man? These ain't your people. It's not your tribe. You don't belong here. You know, and that, and when he said that this is not your people, this is not your tribe, you know, that stuck with me. It made me think about, like, man, what, what am I doing? You know, so yeah. when you—I think you have to just see the treasure in people. Right. We know that there's treasure in in these young kids and we know there's treasure in people, you know, when they're they when they don't, you know, we're going to love on on the people that are not lovable. Right. And we're going to try to reach the ones that are not reachable, you know, but when you plant that seed in somebody, you, you have no idea. You have no idea how how far that will carry somebody.
1: That's the answer right there. Just keep planting the seed, keep watering it. But one of the things that I've always lived by, which was motivation, there was a young man who everybody gave up on. And there was one man who came into his life. And he looked at him with, a heart, with, with his heart broken. He just looked at him and kept speaking that value into that young man. And then all of a sudden the picture changes and that young man actually became an older young man. He was still young, he was about 30 something years of age. And he went to that man and he said, thank you for never giving up on me. And when the camera shifted, the, the little boy was Denzel Washington. I don't know if you've ever heard his story. But he's one of the greatest actors, producers, executive producers of all time. And to piggyback on what he said is the man who kept speaking into his life never was told he was going to be a multimillionaire, never was told that he was going to be one of the greatest people of film. He just knew that he saw that treasure in that young man. And like Philip said, he kept speaking to that treasure. A lot of time we speak to the failure but speak to that treasure and watch it come to fruition. For you, as a cop, and I know it's difficult, we do classes inside Juvenile Hall all the time on kids hating the police, right? (laughs) And so we do role play, and and the thing about it is, is it's easy as a cop to become injured, man, because you deal with all that nonsense on the streets every single day. And I tell the kids all the time, I'm like, so let me ask you this, and I paint a picture of a person and how they come out onto them streets full of treasure and all of a sudden they get dumped on, spit on, cussed at, guns pulled, and they're like, yeah, man, I'd bust back. I would hit them again. I would go right at them. And I said, that's what cops do. And they, they realize what I just told them, and they fell for the same thing. I said, cops are just people. And you being a person, you're, you're, you're susceptible. I know we're, we're tough, and we go out there, but we all need Jesus. As a police officer, we need Jesus to deal with our injuries so we don't become hurt and then hurt people, that we become Healed and helped people and speak to that treasure, man. So, hopefully, that helps. Yeah. Thank you, thank you guys. Yeah,
4: thanks, Ken. Thanks, man. Good stuff. Who's next? Question, thought, idea, anything? We got two to go, so you guys can just sit here and stare at each other, I guess, until somebody comes up. Come on, who's brave? Shane, you got something? On, you want to say anything? No, big careful no? Step study, guys. Come on. Come on, Shane. Yeah. Hey, I, I want to give it up for Shane real quick. Shane, I, ho- I hope you don't mind me sharing real quick, man. Just So I met Shane through our step study. We do a Tuesday night step study. There. It started out with about 35 guys, and I think it ended up about 10 of us, 10, 11 of us. And we meet every Tuesday, and we work the steps, and we, we formed some, some very strong bonds together. And we've got to watch each other grow and come together as men and talk and, and learn how to communicate as, as adult men that's extremely difficult for for a lot of dudes out there and shane man i've I've just seen this man grow so much in the last six months he came in calloused and and just you know he he had he was set in his ways and i've seen god just do some amazing work in this man i love you bro and i'm just i'm great you brought your son here tonight man that's just awesome man so thank you dude thank you I, i don't mean to bust you out like that but i love you bro i might going to have you step up on the mic, too, because I want to make sure we get it on the hey, recording.
3: Bro, it's great to hear your story, man. I love you with all my heart, man. Like I said, in the step studies and stuff, you helped tell me get through some horrible, horrible things, and so I, I appreciate that, brother. I don't know you personally, but, man, you know, I'm glad my son came with me because you know, I grew up just like you. I grew up in, in and out of struggles, in and out of jail. And, you know, it's great to, for my son to see this because he needs this. You know, he doesn't – he sees dad as, you know – Sure. You know, just just a guy that goes to work now. And it's great to let him experience these things and understand that no matter what you go through, no matter what you see, no matter what you do, there's always a better, there's, you're you're six feet above ground, man. Come on. (laughs) I mean, that's, 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 that's the most important thing is you look at life and you kind of forget what you have. Somebody else don't have. Come on, man. And, And to hear, hear your story, man, it's, it's, is right on, man. So I appreciate you coming out here. Thank you, man. Like I said, I'm glad my son got out, got out here to hear Phil's story and hear your story, man. It's it's you know it's important, like you said. You know, a lot of kids don't they don't grow up with them you know, They grow right. up without fathers. I grew up without a father. You know, six years old, I lost my father, and you feel you get that that void, like you said, you feel that emptiness. Sure. And and kids, we need that as, as fathers, and you know. By the way, I. To the police officer over here, man. Thank you for your service, man. Thank you. Huh. Um, it, it, you know, we, we glorify the gangsters, we glorify the streets, we glorify the, the, the wild lifestyles. And forget what happens when when you get away from that. You know? Right. We all get old eventually, and either we get old and, and get right, or we get old and spend our life. Sure. And, and, and it's it's important for people and for for our kids. You know, we got two, Two little kids here right now, you know, and they need to hear these things. They need yes. to see these things to understand that no matter what, God, God is, God is there. Yes. You just got you got to find Him. You got to love Him, and understand that He's gonna love you no matter what. I mean, I should've been dead numerous times, man, and, and, and God walked me out of those stories. Come on, man. And so, it, it's when you when you when you experience life, you can experience the bad, or you can experience the good. And and when you experience the good. There's nothing, like Phil said. There's nothing you have to worry about. You don't have to walk around. You don't have to worry about nobody knocking on your front door. You don't right. have to worry about the police. You know, you can you can wake up, and, and know that everything's gonna be alright. Cause if you have that faith in God, man, there's nothing that can go wrong. Yep. Amen. <laughs> Amen.
2: You're doing good job, Shane. We love you, man. And uh, Anthony, your son, dude. You, yeah. Let me just let me just tell your son, man. You got an awesome dad, <laughs> man. He's working so hard. Yeah. You know, he, he's. You know what? You know why he's working so hard on himself? He's working on himself for you. You know, because he loves you. Hmm. You know, so be proud of your dad, man. He's doing a good job, and we're proud of you too, Anthony. We yeah. love seeing you out here. Thanks, yeah. brother. Thank you. Yeah.
1: Thank you, guys. Thank you, man.
4: Yeah. Gina, okay, come on up, Gina. Come on up, Gina. Gina. Hey, Kane, what do you wanna be when you grow up? Planting seeds Ooh. right there. Navy SEAL. What's up, Gina? Hey,
0: Ooh, let me <laughs> You can
4: move that down, there you go,
0: yeah. So, um, I'm Gina, and uh, I have a question for both of you gentlemen. And I would say going from, if you break it down into pre-recovery and post-recovery, um, for each of you to describe either not really a short story, maybe an incident or a part of your life after you recovery that you would say that you could share, each one of you with us, that has brought you bo- um, pure joy, um, just pure joy something of something of, of a memory post-recovery, whether that's with a family member or a child or what have you.
1: Greatest joy I've ever had in my entire life was, and this is post-recovery, was being able to be a great dad to my kids. I wake up every single day and just look at those babies and say, "I can save the world," but when, but under my roof, that's my heart right there. I mean, I, am not gonna let my kids go. And so, when I was high and I was drunk, I neglected my family tremendously, and I, and I I hurt my mother and I hurt my. There was a time where, um, (laughs) this is this is when I wasn't in recovery. This is I had gotten so drunk, back of police had brought me to their holding cells, and this is back in the day when we had pagers
4: yeah tell your daddy to tell yeah i'm
1: aging myself so long story short uh (laughs) i had my pager in my hand and i said man i ain't letting this pager go and you ain't taking it from me well you know they had rough roughed me up a little bit rightfully so and uh i was so drunk that i threw up all over the floor i said i don't i I don't care i'm not giving you my pager throw up all over the place right and so all of a sudden I'm, i'm looking at i'm looking at these police and for some reason in my head i had it fixed like i'm winning the battle by keeping my pager And you can see how crazy that sounds. That's how crazy I was, right? And all of a sudden, I heard, where is he? Mom? That was my mother's voice. She told me to shut the hell up. And so the officer said, you know what, we'll release him. But you have to clean up that throw up. I said, no, mom, don't even clean that throw up. And she said it again, shut the hell up. And I always listen to my mom, no matter how uh, tough I thought I was. I was quiet. I was like. But under my breath, I said, they're not getting my pager. So long story short, they handed her some, some paper towels. and She went in there on her hands and knees and cleaned my throw up with her, with her hands. And I'm glad that happened because it was humiliating. It hurt me. That's my mom. She's my shero, everything. And so from the worst of that right there to the best of being able to look at my kids and for them to see a healthy dad who isn't in drugs, who isn't in alcohol, who isn't in crime, who isn't in, the spectrum has shifted. And now I'm making my mother proud because she still sees me every single day being the best dad. And she just says to me, man, I'm so proud of you, son. So for me, that's mine. That's
4: awesome. good. Thank you so much.
1: Yeah. Whoa, whoa. Uh,
2: you know, I, I can't just pick one. You know, there, there, there's so many from uh, having my father back in my life, that's a joy. Uh, meeting my wife, Excuse getting married, that, that, that's a joy. Um, being there for my mom in, in her last day, she just passed away in July, you know. Um, she was once in a place where she helped me get out of where I was at. And, and then I became, I, I was able to be that man in her life when she had no one left. You know, so that was a joy looking back on that, you know. Uh, being in this room is, is a joy, you know, uh, being able to speak to other guys is a joy. Uh, just my, my whole life, I, I, I think, is, it's, yeah. yeah, and it's just, you know, they I was told once, uh, Philip, the, the joy of the Lord is your strength. On, and yes. I, I just feel that. I just feel like that's my life. You know, I'm just, do, do I have bad days? Sure. But you know what? Uh, the, good, the good outweighs the bad by far. So uh, thanks, Gina, for that question.
4: Yeah, thanks, Gina. Thanks,
3: Philip.
4: Who's got another question? Who's got another thought? That's two. Who's up? Come on. Oh, Nick. What's up, Nick? Come on, Nick. Oh, was it three? I can't count. I don't know. Who knows? What's up, Nick?
3: What's going on, guys? All right. Quick question. I know some of you guys got kids, so how are you um, ensuring that your kids don't go down that wrong path or make that same mistake you guys made or, you know what I mean?
4: I, so for me, I don't think that there's any way to ensure that because they're their own kid, they're their own people. And I think they're going to make their own choices, you know, at the same time, I think that, uh, number one, you know, I'm very proud to say that like my kids will never see me intoxicated. They'll never see me high, you know, not, not the way that I grew up. I saw that every day and, uh, whether I like it or not, even though I told myself until, you know, I was, I think. 12 13 14 that I was never gonna drink I was never gonna smoke I was never gonna do drugs I ended up doing that it you know starting at 14 15 years old and um, so I think setting good examples number one um, and then number two Jess and I have both whether it's um, you know drugs alcohol um, we've even had the, the sex taught, not with our kids yet, but just between ourselves about we're going to be honest with our kids and we're going to be upfront with them. We're not going to try to hide anything from them because you know what? They're going to go to school and they're going to hear. Ju- As a matter of fact, I just had a conversation with cash, my four-year-old today about cursing. Now, have, if I'm hundred percent honest, have I set the greatest example for that? Probably not at certain times, you know? And so that's something that I'm still working through myself, but I have to be honest with him and talk to him. And so I think communication and keeping that line open, um, that's that's probably been a big one for me. And I'm sure, Jess, you'd probably agree with that too. Yeah. Or not, I don't know. <laughs> I didn't mean to speak for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, okay. Yeah. Or just um.
2: have your kids watch Cops. You know, drugs <laughs> drugs, drugs. Yeah. Going in there for drugs, drugs, drugs. Yeah. Uh, you know i'm I, I'm in a blended family, you know, so I, I took on teenagers, you know, and uh, but they know who I am, they know what I 'm about. you know I think transparency is really key with your children, you know I think the more you try to hide something. or or demonize it, you know, I I think that's the wrong direction. I think when you're open about it, like, hey, you know, there is this, you know, uh, you know, you you know, I I think if you have a a hell's hot and it's getting hotter and if you don't repent, if you're gonna do those things, you're gonna burn, you know, that's the first thing they're gonna go do, you know? So uh, I I just think being, having the transparency, like, oh man, I've made those choices. I I certainly hope that you don't either, you know? And I've had that conversation with with, uh, my teenagers, You know, uh, the the the, well, she was 16 at the time, and uh, she she had some bad company, and it's hard to tell a teenager that, uh, you know, your friends are a bad influence, right? Uh, So they all they hear is you're telling me that my friends are bad people. You know, and so it's hard to have that conversation, but I I think it's important that you do that. You know, they're not a bad person. They're just a bad influence, you know, and when you're together, you're not making good choices. And, you know, when you have that dialogue with your kids, I I think that's the world of difference for sure. No, you can't spend the night at
4: Timmy's house. No. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Stay away from the Ramers. (laughs) What you got, Wordsmith?
1: I think for me, uh, raising my kids, and one of the great things he said was choices. Um, I didn't raise them to uh, just do everything I said. I would give them the opportunity to make a choice. And I always tell them, I've been your age, you've never been mine. And so they look at me like, um... but I said, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you my experience in, in your scenario. And they would listen to it. And I know a lot of parents, they would say, no, you ain't going, and that's just what it is. And, and they, so the kids kind of rebel a little bit, and they battle. The reason I know that is because I was one that did it. And so I would look at my kids and I would say, well, why do you want to do that? It's like cognitive thinking, right? Make them think. And they'd be like, well, because dad. And they'd give me some crazy answer. And I'd be like, all right, so do you hear yourself though? And they'd be like, yeah, but I can't explain it. And I'm like, all right. So I would let them go through it. Then they would come back and say, dad, you were right. So they think I'm God, to be honest with you, because I've never been wrong. It's not true, I've been wrong a lot. <laughs> but I let them make choices. And they've worked there so the threat isn't there anymore. They don't battle me anymore. Mm-hmm. They actually ask me for advice. Dad, what do you think? What did God tell you? <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. But I say, what did God tell you? Yeah. My son came home one day, Goes or he texted me. And he said, I'm about to fight this kid. He, goes to Wilson, he went to Wilsey Wood. He goes, I'm about to fight, Dad. And I said, oh, man, that's great, bro. I said, you, that's what God told you to do? <laughs> and he's like the pause, the greatest pause ever on the, on the text message. <laughs> You know when it's like, it's going like this? And he goes, no. And I said, then why? Just answer that. I mean, if you're gonna fight, we know the consequences and you're gonna have to face it, but why? I said, let me ask you the second question. Did you even pray about that yet? So I, I try to have them think. And, they, and, they, and so they, it's not a threat anymore. It's not dad's just gonna say no. So I'm not even gonna ask. I actually say yes to some wild stuff. And then they go, I didn't think you were going to say yes. And I said, I wouldn't. But you'd understand the consequences of this. And, it, and it, they've become great individuals. I mean, that guy, my son never fought that day. He hit me back says, hey, we're cool now, Dad. I ended up having a great conversation. I was like, see, what'd you do? He goes, I prayed. You told me to pray, right? I said, yeah. I said, but at the end of the day, it's not just for that situation. It's a principle that you live by in life. And so... Now he's going to be a firefighter. He's going to be working for the city of Ackerville, and, and so nice I'm excited man. for him. He's that's at. Legit. But long story short, that's what it is. Choices, man. Yeah, that's good. Thanks, Nick.
4: Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Anybody else have a burning desire, as they call it sometimes? Anybody? All right. So I think what we're going to do here, um, we're we're just about close to wrapping up. But um, I have a friend of mine, uh, Megan Kenny, who came all the way out from Boston. Uh, Straight from the airport, right? Megan came straight from the airport. You want to come up and 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 chat a little bit? Yeah. Thank you, guys. You you you. guys are great. Yeah. Thank you. What's up? How are you? Nice to nice to meet you. That's the first time we met in person. Actually, we've communicated many times. We've been on each other's podcasts and all that stuff. So this is this is pretty neat. And what I was kind of talking about earlier, Megan was. The fact of, you know, when we step out and we do new things, um, we meet people and things. Here we go. Nice.
3: Thanks.
4: Okay. So, um, so, yeah, so you're coming straight straight from Boston, straight right? Straight from Boston. How was the flight?
0: Not bad. A little longer than I <laughs> hoped, but, you know.
4: Congrats on the on Red here. Sox win, by the way. <laughs> Wanted to uh, let you know about that, even though diehard Oakland A's fan here, you know, it's a little bummed. Um, so tell us a little bit about yourself, um, and, uh, what you do. You started the addictionary podcast. I thought it was great when, uh, I believe it was your, uh, what's your producer also, um, a friend or family member, uh, Nicole mm-hmm. who reached out and said, man, how do I start a podcast? This and that. And we kind of hooked up and, and went from there and it was, uh, it was nice. That's kind of how we got introduced. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So what's up with you?
0: Yeah. Um, things are going good. So I'm from Boston. Um, hi everybody nice to see you all Um, so yeah so I'm six and a half years in recovery from opioid addiction primarily oxycodone and then obviously graduated like most people to heroin Um, you know my dad also struggled with addiction so I experienced that as a child and you know fortunately through both of the ways in which we've achieved success in our recovery we both now host a podcast together which is a blast Um, and you know and the goal with that is to really show people kind of like what the healing can look like in a family that was really devastated by addiction intergenerationally so my dad suffered with his dad as a raging violent alcoholic um... and then really kind of took on his own addiction and then and then mine developed but um... but now it's just so wild i mean i'm sure many of you can identify with kind of the blessings that come in recovery but um... i'm third year in my clinical PsyD d doctoral program so that's a huge bonus of my recovery that yeah. I have to thank for that, for sure.
4: Well, yeah, so going back to school and, and uh, you know, struggling with addiction yourself, like you, you already mentioned your father, and what's up to big Bobby out there, yeah, right? What's up, He's BK? doing well back in Boston. Um, you know, and now you get to turn it around and do work that you, uh, that you enjoy to do and give back and serve. Um, so yeah. y- how, how much longer school do you have left?
0: So this is the third year i technically have two more years but um but i have my master's too in counseling so i've been in the field for a while and it's just it's a beautiful thing to have walked the shoes of the people that you're helping um, and be able to connect with them on a compassionate level that maybe somebody who didn't have the lived experience of that um, insidious pain may have had so i value the pain and the suffering that i went through to get here um, because if, if it weren't for that, I wouldn't have the ability to be able to kind of step inside the shoes of, of my sick mm-hmm. clients that are coming to me for help.
4: Well, and one, obviously, uh, well, maybe not obviously for everybody, for those of us that, that do this, you know, day in and day out, we hear a lot about the opioid addiction. It's an epidemic right now. We're hearing about it on the news. It's all over the place. There's young kids dying every day. I think it's like 192 or something. I don't know, yeah. something. It's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. it's a lot of kids every, and I say kids, but cause many of them are young adults, um, what are, what are you seeing out there uh, you know, that, uh, of, the, um, of the kids, young adults, people yeah. coming in that are, uh, that are addicted to that and what, what is going on to help um, stop that?
0: So, I mean, in Boston there's a big push for medication assisted treatment. Um, you know, we have an area called, uh, it's Mass Ave, but we call it Methadone Mile. And I actually was down there for breakfast randomly a couple weeks ago and was astonished by the number of people that are struggling, homeless and addicted on the street. Um, so I know people are, are passionate to do something to help, um, and I think the addiction professionals at the big, you know, hospitals that we have in Boston are using kind of the medical model to treat it, and, um, you know, and, and obviously the abstinence community is, is huge in Boston as well. So I think everybody kind of has their idea as to what the solution is, and um, from what I understand, the death rates are decreasing thanks to Narcan, but um, the overdose rates are, are actually increasing. So. What is, what
4: is Narcan for those out there who might So, not, Narcan
0: right? is the antidote to an opioid overdose. So, it's essentially the same thing that's naltrexone that you hear about as medication assisted treatment, which is the same thing essentially as Vivitrol, but it's fast acting, it's kind of in and out, and it pushes the opioids off of the mu receptors in the brain and then allows the person to kind of come back to consciousness. But, but they're finding that people are needing, and, and this is common across the country, but multiple, multiple doses of, of Narcan to bring them back.
4: Hmm. So you you and your dad started this podcast. It's great. How has that been working with your father? Yeah. Like, I mean, it's you, awesome. You, yeah, I mean, what is that like?
0: <laughs> he, he's the comic relief for me. He's seventy one, and um and I force him to get you know his butt moving, and we have to record, and it's just it's just great because we have a, a blast with it, and it's a really serious subject, and I think um, we see so much pain and suffering when we talk about addiction that we really try to give like kind of like that sarcastic. Um, light humor to the subject, and and we really have a blast doing it. But we also talk about very serious subjects, of course, and and I love being able to connect with professionals in the field and have them come on the show and really talk about kind of the different pathways that people um, are exploring, particularly now with trying to find the solution to the problem. So yeah. we try to keep it as well-rounded
4: as possible. Well, see, and, and well-rounded, and you yeah. kind of bring up uh, too. You, you talk a lot about about a lot of serious stuff, and, and Phil and I have had this conversation before too, just about finding the comedy and stuff, finding the yeah. light, the lightness in in some serious things can really help as a healing tool too. So I know you guys have a good time. You guys get to talk to a lot of different yeah, people. Um, you're uh, you're also, um, you know, I wasn't gonna bring this up, but you know what the heck. Uh, you know, Chris from Dopey was one of your good friends. So, in the in the podcasting community, there's a another, uh, another there's a lot of shows out there. Uh, one of them, the Dopey Podcast, and, and Megan was was really cl- close with Chris, who was one of the hosts of the show. Uh, he had um, how many years sober? Almost, a couple almost years, five. Almost five years. Yeah. He was going back to school. We um, were in the
0: same clinical psychology doctoral program. I actually started an opioid crisis and advocacy student group. Um, that I spearheaded a couple years ago because I just felt like my academic community didn't have a voice speaking to these budding professionals about what it's like living inside the mind of an addict. And Chris was one of the first people that emailed me and was interested in the group. And um, he provided me fantastic opportunities. I was able to intern uh, last year and got amazing experience with his family's company that was started yeah. because of his struggles. Um, and he passed away, unfortunately, in July. So it was, it's was it been a big hit for a lot of us.
4: Yeah. And he he was doing well. He was doing really good. He was on on a good path. And I think that uh, that goes to show that we always have to be vigilant. Uh, We always have to be working some sort of program, having community, having people involved, because you never know what's going to come up. And so, like you said, that did hit the community uh, very hard. And at the same time, I think it... um, you know, if we can find positivity in any situation that showed us what we need to be on on the on the lookout for is that just when, you know, and I'm not saying Chris thought he had it figured out or anything. I'm just saying in general, just when we think we're OK, we got everything going on. No, that's not that's not always the mm-hmm. case. You know, we always got to be fighting, got to be there yeah. working it, you know.
0: Yeah, you have to stay diligent. I mean, I you know, and you can't replace what your recovery program is that, you know, has worked for you for so long with something like. What we think Chris did, which was to supplement that with the fact that he was working in the field, he was working with patients that were struggling with substance use, um, and I think he thought that that was now his new recovery program and really took it for granted and remained um, far less diligent than, than he probably should have, so...
4: So what's, uh, what's next for you, for, for, uh, for Pops, for the Addictionary podcast? What do you guys got going on?
0: Um, we have a big New Year's Eve special one-year anniversary. I nice. Can't Congratulations. Believe... That's, yeah, that's, thank you. Yeah. I can't believe it's been one year. It's like it's it's, fla- it's flown by. But um, I think what we're going to do is, like, check in with past guests and, and get an update from them. Um, Dave from Dopey is going to come on. We have one of my dad's buddies who's an actor. Um, I don't want to say the name because I don't want to jinx us. But I'm supposed to be calling him on Wednesday, so that should, yeah. be, that should be pretty cool. But basically just like a year in review. Like, what are we grateful for? What have yeah. we gained from, you know, my dad and I particularly, of reconnecting in this, in this amazing way? Um, And what this show has brought us and the opportunities that that it's brought for us to be able to connect with people like you, people across literally the world that we're connecting with. Mm -hmm. Um, That's been a complete blessing as a result of the podcast. So really just a way in which we can explain how appreciative we are of the opportunity to come together, like I said, do this podcast, but also... The work that we've each done in our in our recovery programs
4: if uh, if anyone out there listening wants to uh find you guys find more information reach out to you where can they do that
0: um so you can find us on instagram at the addictionary podcast you can also find us on facebook and twitter with the same handle and if you ever want to send in your story or give us any feedback it's the addictionary podcast at gmail.com
4: megan kenny everybody thank you Thanks, Guys, that concludes the show tonight. I hope you guys had a great time. Like, I appreciate you guys. I love all of you. Um, you know, it, it's just, it's really an amazing thing to get everybody out here and all hang out. So um, thank you again. Uh, be sure to tune in. This will go out sometime next week. So you can go on iTunes, Spotify, uh, any of the podcast platforms You can go on the website that sober And uh, I guess I'll end it like I normally do. Peace, love and respect and keep your blood clean. Thanks guys.